Hello, I'm Roger Baker, director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Subscribe today at rainworldview.com. You are listening to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from RAIN. Our discussions focus on current geopolitical developments and emphasize their future trends and effects. Welcome aboard. I'm Emily Donahue. Today we're discussing Israel's next election. Wait, you think, didn't they just have one a few months ago? That would be correct. Why another one and what's the outlook? Well, here with analysis is Ryan Bowl, Rain's senior Middle East and North Africa analyst. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Emily. Ryan, when is the next election and why is Israel going back to the polls? So the election is scheduled for November 1st of this year, uh, and the reason they're going back to the polls is because uh, the the political paralysis that they've got, that they has kind of set into the electorate, that wasn't really solved with the last government. Uh, what the last government was under Naftali Bennett, a outgoing prime minister, uh, was an ideologically diverse coalition of parties that didn't really see eye to eye on on pretty substantial issues. Things like some parties wanted settlements in the West Bank. Other parties were opposed to that. Some parties wanted more Arab uh, Arab Israeli rights. Other parties were not as in favor of that. Um, there were some substantial differences in, in these ideologies of these parties, but they were willing to work together because after a series of elections, as you were noting in the intro, there hadn't been a decisive political result that would have ejected former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu from power and allowed a new Israeli government to take uh, to take over. Instead, what we kept getting is these very narrow margins between the pro-Netanyahu coalition and the anti-Netanyahu coalition. And that, over the past few years, has pretty much defined Israeli politics. Either one is pro-Netanyahu or anti-Netanyahu, and, and that is how these coalitions have, have shook out. Um, unfortunately, over the past year, there have been these sort of death by a thousand cuts for this coalition. There are these small disputes that become big disputes. And eventually what happened was individual members of the coalition, members of the Knesset, uh, MKs, started to defect away from the coalition, first depriving it of its, of its very slim majority, uh, and then finally putting it into minority status. And the leaders of this coalition finally realized that if they couldn't pass legislation, it was better for them to just bring down the government and call for new elections uh, rather than continue on uh, until the government would have collapsed uh, because of more coalition uh, defections. Ryan, you mentioned Netanyahu. Uh, Is there a chance that he could possibly return to power? There is not only a chance, there's actually a a relatively good chance at this point. Uh, The opposition, the anti-Netanyahu coalition, has has discredited itself uh, through this process. It's very hard to see after the November 1st election for there to be an anti-Netanyahu coalition that forms that's going to be like this. What we're seeing from the polls is that it suggests that we'll see pretty similar parties return to power. And as a result, the electoral math is going to be the same. You still need 61 votes in the uh, the Knesset of uh, 120 votes. Um, and it, it looks very much like it's going to be split like today. And it'll, it'll boil down to whether or not a couple of parties are willing to switch sides. And right now, the parties that might switch sides, they look like they're more likely to throw their lot in with Netanyahu than with uh, another attempt at a unity government that might not get their priorities done. Um, it, it, it may be getting to that point where Netanyahu's uh, 
baggage from his corruption case, from his own long-term and you know, he's one of the longest-serving Israeli prime ministers. I think he actually is the longest-serving Israeli prime minister. He's got a lot of political enemies from all of that time. I think that that's starting to get buried underneath the realization that many of these politicians, they can't form a government without him, and his liabilities just aren't worth keeping the country in political paralysis. Ryan, talk to me about what's at stake with these polls. What could change, really, if anything at all? So the most notable thing that will change is that the country's domestic politics will move towards the right. And this is a term the Israelis often use. They'll, they'll, they'll talk about it as a country with a left-to-right spectrum. And, and on the right wing, you have religious parties, you have nationalist parties, you have business conservative parties, all kind of in this big grouping. Uh, and, and what that would mean is if the country shifts in that direction, what's been happening is that on the far right, there have been extremists that have been returning to Israeli politics after decades in the wilderness. They've been encouraged by Netanyahu. They are, they're a product of Israel's uh, social environment kind of moving, tilting to the right and extremes forming more and more on both sides of the, of the spectrum. Uh, and that is the most likely outcome, is that, that if we do have a new Netanyahu government, uh, it will involve some level of right-wing extremists in the, the, in the Knesset. And they will push for things like anti-LGBTQ laws. They will push for settlement expansion, if not the idea of annexing the West Bank. That's, that's very much a probability that that could be discussed again uh, if, if these parties continue to get power. And it will pull Israel in the direction of this kind of this nationalist, religious, right-wing view of Israel, an Israel that is expansionist in the West Bank, um, which is traditional at home, which is looking to empower the ultra-Orthodox and, and the religious parties and their worldview, and sort of trying to sideline liberals, trying to sideline um, Israeli Arabs and, and push them to the margins of Israeli society. That's sort of what we're looking at. That's the most consequential thing that could happen from this. And as a result, if that sort of thing, even the threat of that is, is on the table, the tensions that we saw boil over in uh, 2021, which were led to intercommunal riots, those become a fair bit more likely, either because right-wingers provoke those sorts of uh, riots or Israeli Arabs decide to carry out protests against the potential new right-wing government, and then that escalates into another uh, major uh, intercommunal violence situation. And we could also see, of course, violence in the West Bank, especially if West Bank annexation comes back onto the table. And then abroad, we could see some pushback from Israeli Arab uh, or Israeli allies uh, over some of these right wing policies, particularly from the United States under Democratic President Joe Biden. There have been some tensions between Israel and the United States, especially driven by the, the Democratic wing. Those tensions could resurge if there's a new Net, uh, Netanyahu government and how they manifest into policy. That'll be, remain to be seen. But, but certainly we could say that diplomatic tensions would uh, re would resurge. Wow, there is quite a lot packed in there. Thank you so much for that analysis. Of course, Emily. Thanks for having me. Ryan Bowl is Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst with RAIN. He is an expert on the Middle East region and Israel in particular. You can read some of his work in RAIN Worldview, which offers objective geopolitical analysis and intelligence covering the global landscape. Get a great deal when you subscribe today. Visit RAINWorldview.com. That's R-A-N-E worldview.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Catch you next time.